0: Welcome to the Thin Blue Marriage Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping law enforcement have better and stronger marriages. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremiah Guile, active law enforcement officer and chaplain. Today, we're going to have a special guest with us, Chief David Ogden. Chief Ogden is the chief of police for the town of Windermere, and he's been on the job for 36 years. He served in various specialty units, such as traffic, undercover narcotics swat many others so he's pretty seasoned veteran on the job he's got a lot of experience Uh, he's been both at line level and supervisory position and that's kind of why we have him on the show today so chief how are you doing today
1: hey good morning actually i'm doing i'm doing super well i appreciate it thank you for asking
0: okay great so one of the things about this podcast is that it's mostly geared towards line level personnel um, you know, those that are supervisors, especially in command staff, will have their own unique challenges that are a bit different than line level people. So with you being a chief, can you tell us some of those differences and how it could have an effect on a marriage?
1: Yeah, certainly. i uh, be glad to. You know, I obviously came up through the line, so I, I understand all those difficulties and challenges and experienced some of them in my past. And I know we'll probably get into the podcast, unfortunately suffered uh, what m- too many police officers suffered, which is a divorce, which seems to be prevalent in our line of duty. But, uh, you know, but specific to some management or leadership things, you know, some things that we don't talk about. And I say it all the time that, uh, you know, that, that people say the buck stops with us. And, and you know, that's absolutely true. But uh, I have known over 37 years, 32 people have lost their life in the line of duty now different levels. Um, about a dozen of those I actually very, very knew, knew very well six of those have worked for me one, t- one time or another, and two of them worked directly for me when they were killed in the line of duty. Um, so the stresses, I can tell you, uh, I'm very good friends with the with the family of uh, deputy sheriff, Michael Callan, one of my motor officers who was killed in the line of duty. And when I, I was a captain at the orange County sheriff's office that time, you know, and the stress that that brings upon you, uh, is incredible. You know, there's normal stress having a, another law enforcement officer killed in the line of duty, whether it's your friend, your partner, um, or something like that. But, um, he got killed specifically in the line of duty doing what we call kind of step outs. And we talked about that, um, you know, and in the aftermath of that, you know, I really had to reflect and do some deep introspection on, on, as a, as a captain, Hey, did I, you know, did I play any part to this? You know, could I have been more strict with my guys? Could I have said, don't do this whatsoever. And, and we had this long conversation, like six or seven months before that, we came up with a, you know, a protocol and a safety protocol and everything else. And then lo and behold, this is one of the ways he he ended up being killed. So uh, the stress that um, that you would take, that a supervisor or leader would take with that, I, I think is something that nobody ever thinks about, you know, that you second guess yourself and your decisions. And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, uh, people don't like the fact that you make policies and rules and procedures. And. You know, look, when I was out in a cop, I wanted to run and gun and chase people. And and when the pursuit policy came out, made it more restricted. I'm like, you guys suck. You don't know what's going on. (laughs) Um, But I'm on the other side. Right. And when and then an officer gets killed in a pursuit and I go, you know, I go, maybe I should have been more strict, man. would would have that saved his life. Um, So I, I don't think enough officers really think about that decision that comes into play when you're making some of those hard decisions that have to be made. Um, and I've had to do those a lot over my career. So I can tell you that was a really tough time for me. You know, not only as a leader, um, trying to lead my guys through this tragedy, I'll never forget that he, he survived for, um, like almost 48 hours. We were in the hospital, as you know, police officers commandeer the hospital. Um, and, um, you know, we took over that and, and you know, then after, after he succumbed to his injuries and then how do we honor, which is one of the, the big things for me is how do we honor that officer and his family and. Thank, uh, thank God to this day, um, you know, their family, I'm close with them. I sit on our, uh, on our advisory board um, for a, a scholarship fund that they have. You know, I sit right behind me in my office and the family wrote me a letter and thanking me for the leadership that went through that just meant so much. Uh, but those are some things that, you know, when you're responsible for making decisions and the decisions go bad, uh, you feel responsible for all of that. And that, you bring that home uh, to your family and to your life and, and so like we all have different stressors that come about, but uh, but those are kind of leadership stressors that are out there that are real significant. If you can imagine, you know, somebody dies and you have to think about, you know, what part did I play in this or could I made a difference or could I have made it? And we can all do that. Um, but you bring that home to your family as well.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that's
1: s- for leaders.
0: Yeah. I could see that definitely being a, a pretty big strain, um, one thing that I've noticed just from an observation perspective, and, you know, sometimes, you know, as a chaplain, I've helped people at different levels uh, from different agencies. It also seems like that the time commitment required for the job is significantly higher as you go up in rank.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I took over the Windermere Police Department 10 years ago, and it was a, a miss of, uh, listen, simplest way to put it is corrupt police department at the time. We just received our accreditation. We are doing fantastic. I consider us a value-based uh, police department. I think you've seen one of my presentations, and, and I'm happy with the team we have. But it, it wasn't like that in the beginning. And any new job you come into, you, uh, we all know if we get take on a new job, we're going to have to put a little bit more time and effort. But the reality is I really, really had no clue how bad it was when we got in here. Mm-hmm. And uh, the time and dedication was truly 24-7. And, uh, you know, I would spend time and hours at home. When I took over the job, first thing you want to do is, you know, you talk to everybody. You, you do management 101, and we had to rebuild, rebrand, re-image this agency from the ground up. I would take policies home every single night and review them and revamp them and, and, and kind of go, why do we do this and that and other things? And it, it was pretty bad. Uh, and your weekends, you're coming in, you know, you're expected to be there. You know, in a small department, I love it here. There's no complaints whatsoever. We had a level of service that's uh, beyond what I could ever imagine. Hmm. And most of the residents have my cell phone number. They're not afraid to use it.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) Certainly. And and that's okay. (laughs) You know, I I really don't mind that, you know, because I I left Orange County Sheriff's Office when I retired. I was a fusion center director, so I was accustomed to phone calls and emails and and secret clearance stuff 24-7. But but the job really is 24-7. So it's not the time that my butt is sitting in the seat in here. It's going out and making uh, making contacts and conversation and meeting the residents and doing HOA meetings and being on, honestly, it's being on boards, it's being on committees, it's representing this police department, which I don't think a lot of people kind of realize. They're like, well, why is the chief or the sheriff or whatever on this board and that board? Well, I'll tell you why, because it makes the agency look good. And we're able to promote the goodness that the agency does in each and every one of those community engagements um that we do you know whether it's a board or this or that or anything else trust me there are many days i'd like to just get in a car and you know just go arrest somebody chase them down and and do a little bit of actual (laughs) real but i do i know just like every cop out there knows you get a thousand out of boys and all of a sudden one one bad thing and it seems like that's all anybody focuses on i feel like my job when i get out into the community is to tell them and praise them how awesome my officers are and this agency and and how arts turned around and it's to do that every single day seven days a week so that um they have a better reputation we have a great reputation in our community a great relationship um but we, we commit that much time and that focus and that effort because you and i both know we every cop knows there'll be that one day we do a oops and something mm-hmm. happens we, you know there's too much that goes on in law enforcement for us not to make mistakes so I feel like my job is continuously um, always is just pushing the positive uh, impact this this agency and our officers have on everybody else. And I will say this. I think sometimes they don't get to see that as often, right? Because I'm out in the community or I'm sitting on a board, I'm, I'm on a, a, a council or doing whatever. Maybe they don't get to see that as much. I try to give a clarity of vision and communicate that, that to my guys as much as I can. Um, But I think the more and more I'm impacting the community or engaged in the community, the more and more I'm telling them our our officers are doing a great job and a fabulous job, which I think is helping our agency as a whole. And that that takes a lot of time. It takes 24-7. This is not a job um, that you you can't be available 24-7. But you also have to know when to take that Sabbath or when to take that rest. That's extremely important, especially for relationships.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, although this isn't necessarily directly marriage related as it is to just general occupational stress. But as you're talking about doing all that stuff to try to make your officers look good, is, is that having a positive effect on the agency morale?
1: I think it is. Okay. You know, again, uh, we're very blessed in this uh, little police department here. Again, I I left the 10th largest sheriff's office in the country to come to a, a tiny place. But I will tell you, I've learned a lot, and I learned a level of service that we get to provide our community is 1,000 times bigger than I ever did at a big agency, which was really more of a dog and pony show. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's like we truly know our residents, and and I think that um, that certainly rolls rolls down to our police officers. I get accolades on them all the time.
0: Okay, you know one of the things that, uh, and a lot of uh, management theory is that if you're you have higher morale. It can often translate into less stress for the supervisors. In your experience, would you say that's correct or incorrect?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, when all of us feel better, there's less stress in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, none of us like when we're under the gun or we're you know we're under you know the scrutiny of, of whatever it is, whether it's an internal issue or a discipline issue or an external issue. Somebody is complaining on you. Every everything brings about stress. You know, and as leaders, you know, we try to have a a good organizational health there. And my guys will hear it all the time. You know, I I do all my own leadership training here. But, um, you know, I have kind of 10 functions of how to make wise decisions. And the very first one is when somebody comes to me, my first question is this. Is somebody going to die if I don't answer this right now? And I tell my guys, if the the answer is yes, you should know it immediately. And you've got to react. You've got to do something. If the answer is no, you actually just have a puzzle to work on. Um, if you have a puzzle to work on, we we usually have the time and the resources and the energy, uh, and enough uh, manpower uh, to figure that out. So the first thing is really kind of figuring out, you know, do I really have a crisis on hand? I think a lot of times we believe lots of things are crisis and they're just not in our lives. We just feel like they're management crisis, and I try to tell managers that, you know, not everything is a management crisis. If nobody's going to die. Nobody's going to be hurt. Um, you know what you, we can figure this out, and we can usually figure it out um by taking our time and come up with the best decision uh for everybody 's overall wellness as opposed to uh, a quick decision that may be good but not the best decision
0: mm-hmm. right yeah so i was the reason I was asking about that is I know that your job stress, whether it 's a line level guy dealing with you know people every day on the street or a supervisor that 's dealing with administrative and organizational issues all that stress is still stress that still spills over into the home and it spills onto the family. So I guess, you know, any way that we can reduce the stress on ourselves is that much less stress that we're bringing home, thus less negativity on the marriage.
1: Absolutely. You know, and and it truly is a team atmosphere and I don't, I don't think most people realize, um, you know, how much stress, you know, even the leaders do, you know, from sergeants and supervisors above. Um, I'll never forget when I first got promoted, I went to my, my chief's meeting. All the Central Florida chiefs get together once a month. And, uh, you know, there was a, a wise old chief there, and he said, uh, here's my best advice. If you want a friend, get a dog. And, you know, we kind of all chuckled. Um, but the reality of that is true. As you go up and higher, you know, there are less quote-unquote friends so it is more incumbent upon each and every single person to make sure that they have a good influence of, of friends and family and people that are around them that they can really rely on to um, to keep their stress down. Because, listen, if I'm stressed, my guys are stressed. Um, you know, if, if, if I'm calm and at peace, and, then I think my guys are calm and at peace and content. So, you know, yeah, uh, uh, John Maxwell says the second law of uh, leadership is the law of influence, right? And leaders are responsible for influence on other people. And I think that influence could be positive or negative. So it's just as incumbent for us to make sure that we control our stress and take care of ourselves and our family and, and everything else. If I have stress in my marriage, it's going res- to show in my work. If I have stress in my work, it's going to show up in my marriage. So we've got to be very cognizant of that. And I think leaders feel uh, a heavier burden on them to say, you know, my influence typically as a leader, as a chief, as a sheriff, right, your influence is a lot broader. It's the whole agency. Um, And, you know, and if you're wise and if you're prudent, um, you think about those things. You know, you think about, you know, what decisions that you're making and how you're reacting and and your stress and how that is affecting other people. I know I do. Um, I do. You know, I, I I think about that all the time.
0: Hmm. So what's some advice that you could give to supervisors and leadership out there that might be listening to this, what's some things they could do to help keep that organizational administrative stress from spilling into their home?
1: Um, well, I think, yeah, with within the community, every team needs to be built on trust. And that trust factor is important. So I think a good, honest, open conversation and and, and good leadership that, that understands what, how trust is built, how it's formed, um, how trust, uh, when you build that, leads to um, the fear of having conflict. Um, and when you don't have that, you, you can be committed to one another. Um, you can ha- hold each other accountable because you're looking for the best for the team. You're not looking for individualism. So I think from the team perspective, that's important. But I think also going home, I think uh, we need to understand how to rest. And I'm, that was very difficult for me. You know, I'm, the, I'm kind of an A personality. I'll, I'll pick up any assignment, anything you want to give me. I'll go, 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 go. Um, but unless you're forced into a time in your life where you're going to stop, some guys don't do that. Um, I've, been, I've had some wise counsel for for years. A very good friend of mine for, you know, nearly 20 years now, he actually uh, has his own, had his own counseling firm. He's, he's also one of my associate pastors at a church in the past. But um, we'd meet once a month, and I'd talk to him. And he would always tell me, he's like, Dave, he goes, if you're a a high-level manager or a mid-level manager, he goes, I recommend, he goes, I recommend every four weeks to eight weeks that you should get a three-day weekend away with your wife. Don't use your phone, don't contact back, and just get away. He goes, I also recommend every six months you try to do anywhere from three days to a week getting away. And he actually says, once a year, you should get away for almost a month. Um, And I'm like, I remember telling them, Jeff, you're crazy. I can't do that. I haven't, I've never quite done a month, mm-hmm. um, but I would tell you, it wasn't until probably about five years ago, five or six years ago that I would, and I don't do it every year, would even take my full two week vacation. Um, I mean, I take plenty of time off. Don't get me wrong, but I do that quite a, quite a bit. I'm at the point now where I try to take one month, of, uh, um, one, one Friday a month and take off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday for me, is a day I do, I have a men's ministry group that we do in the morning. Um, sometimes I come in later in the afternoon and I, I consider my Friday uh, time guys with, um, that, are, that I do ministry with, guys on the side, the guys that I trust with my life. You know, they're, they're my Jonathans, my Nathans, the guys that I can, that they can speak into my life. They can tell me when I'm screwing up, when I'm doing something wrong. Uh, we've built that trust and that's extremely important. Uh, and a lot of times times we'll take that days and uh, my wife and I'll just get away and go to the beach for the weekend. And we'll do something. Um, I've been so much better at that uh, in the last several years. And than I, than I probably was in the first 30 years of my career, I would say. And I would absolutely recommend that. Another thing that my wife and I personally do. And some of this is because of uh, the challenges and hardship that we've had is that we've dedicated our, our marriage to saying that. Um, you know, first of all, uh, you know, we're, we're people of faith, so we, we feel that um, um, God is the center of our marriage. He's the triune of our marriage. That's important for us. Uh, and, and then we say we, we're going to do one marriage retreat a year together. So we do one marriage retreat. We go away. Um, we usually, the last couple of years, we've been doing Wind River Ranch, it's a Christian dude ranch in Colorado that we serve at, and we just go up there and we just get filled for a week. We, you know, it's kind of our mini vacation up in the mountains somebody comes in usually a professional counselor or or somebody that's teaching every single day and and like you would in any other kind of sessions you know we go through rules and they have us do some things and stuff like that and we just we just work on our marriage uh, to do that you know my wife and i personally we will you know you know we go to, we go to church on, on sunday mornings we do groups activities sometimes we'll study together we'll read the same book together or do things like that but like anything else that you want to be good at i've been a jujitsu jitsu practitioner my whole life and uh, i competed at the highest levels um in jiu-jitsu i'm going to put the time and the effort into being that good and i don't think sometimes we put the time and the effort um, into our marriages And a lot of times that's why most law enforcement marriages fail right we put all our time and our effort into our work and to becoming better into our tactics we get so caught up on our police tactics and our safety and everything else that we will work that to the nth degree and in the meantime um our our, our relationships need that you know I, I i told people in the past i'm like yeah we do you know we do a marriage or cheat and they're like oh, what's the matter Are you guys having problems go, no we're not having problems i go do you only get a, get the oil change in your car when your car stops working no you get the oil change in your car every three to five thousand miles because mm-hmm. you maintain it and you keep it going so that's the biggest advice i can give people is maintain your marriage you know get away uh, uh, at least every month a month and a half or a three day weekend mm-hmm. most guys work 12 hour shifts so they have long shift long weeks and long short weeks get away take her away it doesn't have to be expensive uh here we live in central florida you know you can you can go walk around downtown disney and all these different places without paying a dime to get in you know just walk hang out do some different things you know get on um what do you call it? different sites, apps? There's different apps for this. You can go, you can go on your phone and give you uh, dating advice and dating ideas, and that's very important too. The other thing I would say is, is, is date your wife, right? Just uh, make sure you have at least one day a week, whether it's a time or whatever, that she knows that that's that's the priority. Mm-hmm. Thursday nights is a, is date night. We get to go out. Whatever we do, maybe we sit at home and watch a movie. Maybe we go out and see a movie. Maybe we go out and do a walk or. Or you know, maybe we go do whatever the case may be, putt putt golf or anything, mm-hmm. something different. We go out and you take a ride in our jeep, just to see, um, you know, the, uh, a different part of the town or something like that. But I think it's important. Anything that you put an emphasis on is going to grow. Uh, they say, right, everything's either either it's either growing or it's dying, one of the two. Think about that when you think about your marriage. It's either growing or it's dying, and if you're not feeding it and you're not putting anything into it. Trust me, it's dying somewhere in your marriage. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, listen, this these are typically the person that we, we committed to one time. Life and death and to death do us part. And, you know, that's, death do, you know that, that shouldn't be the exception clause. We don't want that in there. We, we want to make sure that we, we maintain. Because, again, I'll say it again, we have a healthy marriage and I'm happy at home. Guess what? I, I come to work ha- happy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a better boss when I have a better marriage. Um, no doubt about it so it works you know this is this is one ongoing continuous circle um that we need to concentrate on and that's mm-hmm. why you may as as a as a leader um and again i know i know you've seen my presentation but uh for my organizational health i talk about mental spiritual physical and relational health uh and most leaders they they just run at the at the thought of talking about spiritualness Um, and and I define spiritualness as where you set, where you put your set of values, your beliefs, um, what are your, what's your set of morals, what's your right and your wrong? How do you, how do you ask how do you get to that level? So some of it is religion, right? For me, it's religion. For you, it may not be for somebody else it may not. But I think, uh, I think every man needs to figure that out and every couple needs to figure that out. I think more people spend more, spend more time, um, deciding where they're going to go to dinner on a date night. And they do sitting down and going, hey, what what is our you know what is our spiritualness of our relationship? People are like, what are you talking about? And then 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 relational. I think organizations don't talk about relationships. They will say, you know what, if you're and your wife are having a problem, go see a counselor, or go read a book, or go do whatever. That's outside. This is inside. And we've taken that approach in law enforcement for far too long. And I think we need to do better at that um, offer. You know, why wouldn't we offer a marriage or relationship class at our, at our agencies and our spouses attend? They should. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you take a little bit of time to commit to building a personal relationship, you know, um, and doing it on-duty time and inviting your wife and inviting your kids and buying some pizza or something like that just to invest? It's going to invest so much time in your agency, right? Right. This this is about this is about a value based organization. If you have value, you value your people, you value their relationships, and you yourself value your own relationship. So we've got to put time into it. If you um you know these two things. Anybody who's worked for me or anybody who's heard me speak has heard me say these two things. The greatest gift you can ever give anybody in your life is a gift of your time and attention, and give it out freely. And the Amen. worst thing that you can worst thing you can ever lose in your life is trust. And we may have all been there. I've been there one time, man, and it is just a horrible feeling um, to lose trust. It's a horrible feeling to lose trust in someone else. And those two, those two parameters there, you know, giving time, when you give somebody ta- time, you build trust. And when you build trust, you have happier relationships, better function relationships, better overall wellness for your officers, and better overall organizational health for your team so this is something i'm kind of passionate about and and i think we're we're failing around the country and every time that i see like the memphis you know people always ask me what do i think about this and i'll tell you like i tell them this is not a policy this is not a procedure um this is not any of those things this is a value thing right this is these are a group of people that have have either moved the bar on what they value and place most emphasis on life and And that's unfortunate because that could be a leadership issue there. Um, But it's it's everyone that I see is a value. They don't just don't have enough. They don't know what they value most in their lives.
0: Mm. Yeah, you bring up a great point. Um, You know, one thing I've seen, you know, when it comes to uh, how we affect others, something you kind of touched on, you know, as a line level person, if I'm having a really bad day or something like that. The actual effect generally is pretty minimal, but if you're a supervisor or even, you know, command staff or, you know, whatever your rank is, if you're having a bad day, it has a much, you know, bigger scope because now it affects all the people underneath you. So I think that's something, yeah, you know, to, to think
1: about. We've got to look out for each other. We really do. You know, and sometimes it gets it's vogue to kind of like line officers to say, oh, yeah, you know, I hate my leader. Or I hate my manager. Or I hate my, I wrote, I wrote an article one time that said that the article was your chief sucks. And pretty much we all suck at something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, we all haven't done, done perfectly well. Uh, you know, and I had, uh, I'm going to be careful here, but I, had, you know, not too long ago, a, actually a guy I knew and a friend of mine who was a chief and um, he chose to step down after, you know, not a good situation. And it, it wasn't that horrific, but it wasn't. And I knew some other officers who are uh, on, on the mental health team. And they were kind of like almost enamored by it. Like, oh, yeah, look, at he's out of there, another chief down. And, and, and I just kind of stopped for a second and I go, I, I, I thought you guys are peer support people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you would not treat another officer or deputy sheriff this way at all. You, you would surround them and comfort them. and But you're, you're cheering on because he's a chief. And, and you don't even work for him he's like several agencies removed but this is more of a god you know gossip has no value in life right. and um and i kind of just looked at me and i'm like you you guys are standing up representing that your crisis management your your sism team your peer support your all this stuff so i ask that we we each think about that you know don't, we don't need to be cheering on when an officer um loses respect or loses his job or anything else we don't need to do it when a, when a manager does it man that's that's horrible. That fall is horrible. You spend 30, 40 years on your life, and, and uh, and you know, you end it. And and this is somebody that I know, and I've reached out, and yeah, I've met with him, we've had dinner, and uh, I can tell you, man, he's really hurting. And I had, I had people that, you know, and we sent that are quote-unquote peer support counselors that were chuckling about it. Like, how does that work? So I just ask that we all think about whether, we're, if we're in this as a team, whether you're a chief, or whether you're you're an officer writing tickets, it doesn't matter. We really got to consider consider ourselves as a team.
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point because you know I've been on the job for just a little over 20 years, and I've noticed that when I first started, it seemed there was more cohesion in the um, in agencies, and now it seems like, and it's it doesn't matter what agency you go to, or you know at least the majority of them there's more animosity has been building more division between the line level people and those in supervision. And I don't know if that's a trend that, you know, can be reversed or exactly what the cause of it is, but I think it does create a lot of extra stress on both the supervisors and the line people, which then rolls into their home life. But then what type of effect does it have in the community? Because, you know, uh, you know, a team against itself can't stand and so, you know that again. I think you bring up a good point about all that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the basic element that the Russians and everybody else, if you if you kind of read the history of 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 how they said they would they would destroy this country, they said no, we don't have to come in and throw bombs or drop them down. We're gonna we're gonna just create turmoil and let you guys. Uh, kill each other or eat each other and man isn't that happening <laughs> you're either right or left or democrat or republican you're a christian or you're an atheist or you know you're you know you're uh executive line or you're an officer and I'm like man they have allowed we have allowed this to um, permeate our culture so bad and if we took a took a breath and step back we'd go wait a minute <laughs> you know somebody's doing this and this just just isn't worth it most most of the people that i know chiefs have have made it up at some point in time through the rank and again maybe some of them don't deserve to be there not going to say that's true but the reality is sometimes some officers don't deserve to be there if we're being real honest um you know and and i say that always work itself out Uh, i say that but but my my point is if we if we say we're a team we say we have camaraderie we say about all this other stuff um you know let's act like it let's do it and you know, even uh, I, if you look at the history, the last couple of years uh, in first responders, period, the chiefs of police. Um, uh, we had locally here in central Florida, a chief in a, um, a fire department, you know, they've been killing themselves in the line of duty. So I think it's because of all that stress and for the far majority of them, they don't have anybody to turn to, especially if they haven't created a, a network outside of the agency um, that they can rely on. That's, uh, you know, I, th- I think too many of them haven't done that.
0: Well, that's another good point that you bring up. Something that I've seen, uh, I can't say it's formal research per se, because I haven't seen a study specifically on it as it is patterns of observations that I've seen over the years, is that it seems like the levels of marital conflict and just overall stress is so significantly higher, the higher you go up in rank. Um, A lot of the guys I've talked to who, you know, as a chaplain, That have been in supervisors, it seems like every time they go up a rank, they're adding 10 hours of work and double the stress. And that's for each week. And I'm just hoping that, you know, in the future that, you know, somehow the the industry can start looking at that and figuring out ways to make the job less stressful for people at all levels, you know, supervisory levels, mid-management, line-level people. Because again, you know, stress is stress and all that's going to roll into your family. Yeah. And especially with the increased time commitment, um, because that's one of the biggest complaints I've ever heard from supervisors is the fact that, you know, they say, you know, I used to work 40 hours a week. Now I'm working 70.
1: Yeah, And and it's funny and your guys will go, you're only working 20 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because, they, you know, they think like you should be just sitting behind the desk all day and, mm. and again. No, I I get up early. There, I have a routine to my life. But you know, I know, I usually I usually check some emails and do some stuff before I get in because that's kind of my time to. Um, yeah, I'm I'm geared that way. <laughs> you know, I know what my Briggs Meyer or my disc profiles are and everything else. So I have to mm-hmm. kind of I have to compartment compartmentalize myself to do that and go. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna handle these ten things when I get in and this ten thing, and this over here and I'm gonna push this to the bottom. So I've got to take my time before I get into work to do that. Um, you know, sometimes I'll sit there for 20, 30 minutes on my, my iPad or, or my laptop and do that so that I feel like I'm much more efficient when I get in. So one of the things uh, I've told people, like, two things, you know, when I get into work and when I leave, if, if I, if I want to leave at five o'clock, and this has been a long-standing practice for me, um, my wife says, hey, honey, we've, we've you know, you've got to be home by 530. We've got to get out the door. We've got a dinner appointment, whatever the case may be. I will close shop at four o'clock. And I'll tell you why, because I can close shop. There'll be something to do. Somebody will pop in, somebody do whatever. And from my office door to the car, um, you know, this job right here, it's only about 20 yards, not very far. My last job, it was, it was down a hallway, down the hallway at the ICE department, all downstairs, get in my car. That little trip, which was only about 40, 50 yards, could easily take an hour. Wow. By the, by the time somebody stops you, oh, hey, captain I need this need you to sign off on this hey no problem whatever so I say hey what are you going what are you doing this weekend hey this is what happened to my kid okay cool and and you know if you're a good good leader you're going to plan that strategize that out so that you can invest Remember, I said the greatest gifts you can give is your time mm-hmm. i do that so that if somebody stops me i can stop and say hey man yeah i only got about 5 minutes but won't you tell me about you know your your son's ball game this weekend um i don't think enough people understand that so if you're a supervisor, I will tell you that too. Plan the plan your down plan the time that unexpected time for people to come up and say, "Hey, what'd you do this weekend?" or whatever. So again, if you got to be home at 6 p.m., 5 p.m., you should be shutting down your shop. It should be closed. Your computer should be off. Everybody thing should be off, except for obviously clearly you know emergency calls for service, and you just need to kind of take a breath, relax, walk around the office kind of walk out, and I guarantee you, um, you're going to, first of all, invest a lot more time in people, um, and then you're going to get out of the work on time. If you close your, if you got to be home at 530, and you close your computer at five o'clock, and start to run out the door, um, somebody's going to grab you, and you're going to say, hey, I don't have time right now, you're going to walk off, and they're going to go, man, I had something important to talk to the chief about, and he just doesn't care. Um, so, you know, you have to schedule. I, I found that works for me, really scheduling zero time which mm-hmm. is actually more important time i call it zero time zero time for others to kind of just stop by and chit chat Hmm.
0: okay that sounds like some great advice hmm. so okay um i know you had another project you were working on uh it was a little short film called uh cover your six can you tell us about got that
1: your... yeah i got your six um actually is a um a non-profit uh, ministry that I started running and uh on the side a couple of years back after George Floyd happened uh as as advokary indicated for me my faith is very strong and I also um I believe everything that we've been talking about if we have a uh, if we have a focus center focused life on our values for me my values is is uh, my faith in God um, that I think we have a better overall w- uh, wellness so we created a um Well, we actually created a ministry first called Got Your Six, and it has only three factors. Number one, build a community of trust. Um, This this was after Ferguson and George Floyd and everything else. I just felt like there wasn't communities for police officers to build trust. Second was an educational platform, and a third is to be servant leaders, to go out into the community and do service. In order to kick that off, I was trying to figure out what kind of marketing platform, you know, and... uh, um, I'll try to do a quick version of a good friend of mine who she's just starting in the film business industry. I told her what I wanted to do. And I wanted some stick figures to talk about, Hey, got your six. Here's what we're doing. We're doing some classes. We're meeting, we're watching movies, doing whatever. And she's, and I started telling her about my life and the things that I've experienced that other people have experienced. She's like, she goes, that's a movie. And I go, well, I don't know nothing about that. That's not my (laughs) forte, but that's mine. She goes, we're going to create a short film. So we created a short film that depicts Three vignettes, and they're they're true life scenarios of, of multiple officers and myself that have written that they've experienced over the years. And the movie is designed for nothing more. You know, the, the first part of the movie does the, the, the short film. So it gives you like a domestic violence scenario and then a scenario where you're arguing with your wife at home. And it uh, it pulls you into the scene so that you realize, you know, as a cop, you may be doing some things in the scene or some things that you do on a scene being autocratic, being, uh, you know, uh, a little bit louder, giving some direct commands, how we can kind of pull that into our marital life. Uh, There's there's one scene where an officer was contemplating suicide and another scene that uh, a female officer and her husband were getting a divorce. Um, So these three scenes are just really designed to show people kind of what law enforcement officers have been dealing with over the years and open a conversation about that. That's it. And uh, we, we, we raised our own money and our own funds, cost about $10,000, $12,000 to run the movie. We've received six different uh, awards for it. The second part of the movie talks about our your Sixth Ministry. It just has kind of me blabbing on there. But I tell people all over the place, if you, you want to show this film in your, your police department or whatever, uh, even just the first half, because I know they don't want to show religious things. And I'm like, that's okay. Cut out the last part for me, me blabbing. That's fine and just show these three pieces and then just start a conversation. Hey guys, have you ever experienced this? How do you feel? And, and I think it it opens that door and it opens that converse, conversation which gives us over, all overall uh, better mental, physical, spiritual and relational help. So that's the goal of the film. We kicked it off because of the things that I've seen, the things I've experienced over my life, that I've witnessed. And um, you know I just have a passion. I have a passion for law enforcement officers. I really do. And I have a passion for them. Uh, I want to see everybody retire um, with a pension or with the right amount of money, with a happy marriage, with a happy life. Uh, We deserve that. After you spent so many years in this, and I didn't think I'd be doing this this long. I had opened my own martial arts gym several years ago. I was going to retire. I had every plan to retire. I'm very organized about my goals and objectives. And I really kind of stayed into it. Uh, to kind of bring some light to this overall wellness paradigm. That's really the reason I, st- I stuck stuck with this. So if you want to see the film, you're you're welcome to have it. I think you have the uh, the link to it. Uh, you can add it into your podcast, and anybody is free um, to show this, or just one part to three parts, or all the parts, whatever you want to do. Um, just so you can get your folks talking or seeing. Hey, yeah, I've experienced this, and 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 then have that a conversation. Call in a professional to talk about it. And uh, I think that's one way we can start off a, a marriage program, communications program with our with our families.
0: Yeah, sounds great. Um, since a lot of times the people on the podcast won't necessarily be checking out a website or anything like that. Do you have the web address handy that you could just tell them over the air?
1: You know, I I'll have to kind of pull it up here and mm. give me a minute to do that because I think I did. I think I shared it with you.
0: Yeah, actually, I have one right here. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Um, I didn't know if you had anywhere else, but it is available on YouTube. You just go in there and type in got your six director's cut and they got Spell the full. Out. Go ahead.
1: Yep. Spell out got your six mm-hmm. and uh, then put director's cut and it should pop up.
0: Yeah. So and it's a, it's a great 13 minute film. I strongly recommend uh, any of y'all listening to this podcast, please check it out. Please show it to other people. Um, The reality is the mental wellness issues and the stress and marital problems is just destroying our industry. And, you know, we need to do the best we can so that, you know, we can all do a better job as far as being better officers, better supervisors, better spouses, better parents. And the only way to do that is we really got to face this problem head on and just look at it for what it is, even if it hurts sometimes. So,
1: yeah. And it's tough, you know, we've been talking about all the stressors of the job and everything else, and all these, all us officers have individual lives going on at the same time. We never, never know what's going on in somebody's life. Um, and clearly, that brings it in. And um, I think, you know, a quick part of our story, my October 3rd, 2012, uh, uh, my son died in my arms, my wife in my arms after a four-year battle from a rare neurological condition. So, you know, as a captain of the sheriff's office running a fusion center and, and trying to stand proud and, and you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, we're coming home every day to a dying child. Uh, and, there, and there are people that have experienced that and experienced worse, I'm sure, in their life than, than we had to go through. But um, it was important for us. You know, my wife and I are, you know, we both had been married one time in the past. Uh, and if you look at the data between that and then also somebody who has a child who dies, uh, the data is really, really poor that our marriage would ever make it. Um, but we have been loyal and committed to, uh, because of that, to, uh, having a, a godly marriage and, and making sure that we work on our marriage, you know, every single day or every year. We're, listen, we're not great at it. We don't have a perfect marriage by no means. Uh, we don't, we don't really verbally argue. We, uh, we more snip at each other a little bit time or time and that happens. But at the end of the day, we have, a, we have a little different perspective, I think on life than some others. Um, and then, you know, any family member who has lost a child. Uh, gives you a, a, an entirely new paradigm an entire new perspective on your life and what's important. Uh, we know how much family in, is important how much our relationship and our and our marriage is important so we work on that. but you know while all this stress and everything's going on in the job and uh, you know all the ever, everything else, I know that uh, officers have families and their families have different things uh, you know mom and dad dying or people, being sick with cancer or stricken with an illness or a disease or financial woes or problems so you know we're dealing with all that and life itself uh, that just doesn't you know none of us can escape life and bad things just kind of happen sometimes and um, so we all that's why I can get getting back to we all need to realize we're in this as a team all law enforcement whatever your rank whatever your title titles don't really matter, matter. at the end of the day um, we all want to have I want everybody to retire uh, with, again, a good retirement package, a good marriage, and an overall wellness where, you know, you can retire. You can go do what you want to do. If you want to sit and fish all day, great. If you want to go hike the Himalayans, great. If you want to travel the country, I think every law enforcement officer deserves that, and their family deserves that. And I hope and I pray that each one of them get it.
0: Yeah, amen. So, okay. Well, as we come you know, start to wrap up this podcast here. Do you have any last words of encouragement or advice for the listeners?
1: I just think that take care of yourself, take care of your family. Um, You know, nothing, uh, no job is, is, is worth losing your family over. And I think in law enforcement for years and years and years, I think that hasn't been the case. I think a lot of people have lost their marriages thinking my job is more important. And I'm here to tell you, it's not, it absolutely not you know uh, men will men and women are put on a uniform and are ready to die for somebody else um but yet they they won't die to themselves uh in, in an argument with their spouse um and we have to we have to kind of look at it that way um so take care of yourselves take care of your family and um uh, like i said god bless and i pray for each and every officer that's out there
0: yeah that's that's good information um it's funny that you bring up the, the dedication to the job, because you know during the time when I've done presentations before to groups and stuff like that, whenever I bring up the idea of placing your marriage over the job, most of the people get it, but there's always that small segment that really disagrees with that, and I can tell by the nasty looks, the nasty comments, and everything else, because some just don't want to hear it, which is a shame, because you know they don't realize how much those marital problems or the divorces and the other issues actually impact their life and their job
1: so no. but, yeah and your family just it's, it's just not worth it and um yeah it's it's again it gets gets back at some point in time we stood there and, and promised to love and cherish and honor and and all those kind of things and, and think about that you know we honor and integrity and all these kind of things are usually are um, calling cries for police, police agencies all over the country. Mm. And you can kind of scratch your head a little bit and go, wait a minute, you know, is that only account for, only count for your job? No, it accounts for everything else. How, we demonstrate our character by showing our character everywhere in our lives, our integrity and our value system. So I think that's, that's important. Trust me, you know what, you don't want a divorce. You don't want somebody else raising your kids. You don't, you want any of that kind of stuff. Um, If that's where you're at, none of that brings uh, overall wellness and there's counselors and everybody else that that will tell you, you know, certainly you can make it work. You can, you can, you can do, you can do lots of things, right? We're living proof. We lived with a dying child for four years. Uh, When you're put in a situation, you will make things happen. Uh, But, but put the investment in the time ahead of time so that it doesn't have to happen. And I think you'll be better off for it in the long run.
0: Yeah, that that's some great advice. So, all right, as this uh, podcast comes so close, I want to uh, thank Chief Ogden for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Um, hopefully, the listeners will get quite a bit out of it. Um, I also want to say that you know, thank you for listening to the Thin Blue Marriage podcast. If you have any feedback, I'm you know I invite you to send me an email to thinbluemarriage at yahoo dot com. And most importantly, I want you to remember that your marriage is your most important team. Treat it as such. Thank you, and good night.
1: Amen. Good night.